All right, well, grab your Bibles, if you will, and let's turn to Acts. I fixed, I fixed the slide. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. <coughs> oh, weather app says huge storm on the move. All right. Okay, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. We're going to read the whole chapter, and I'll tell you why in here in a minute. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't aren't all these who are, are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said, Ah, they're drunk on new wine. (laughs) Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves No. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades 
or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me and will fill me with gladness in your presence. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is still among us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He is not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to, G- to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Lord Jesus, fall upon us. Fall upon us, Lord. Fall upon us, Holy Spirit. Fill each one of us to overflowing with your presence. Let there not be a hard heart in this place. But let all of us, Lord Jesus, be receiving of your, of your Holy Spirit, your helper that you said you'd send for us, that you have sent and that you continue to indwell and continue to pour out your spirit on all those who will repent and be baptized and receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. Open up your word to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> I only took seven minutes. <laughs> I was always nervous like how long it takes to... <laughs> to read the an entire passage of scripture, entire chapter. That's a good number. That's a good number. <laughs>
<laughs> so this morning, if I can get my thing to work, <laughs> it'll come up in just a minute. There it is. So this, this so this morning we're starting a four week series. So we're gonna this is gonna be our Advent series. Because it's all about, so the, the regular Advent that most people celebrate is about expecting and welcoming and waiting for and yearning for the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're also waiting just as much for the Advent of the Holy Spirit. It was also prophesied, as, as Peter would point out here, that it was prophesied that, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And that the same spirit that David had, everyone would have. And there was, they were waiting as much for the Messiah as they were awaiting and yearning for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And what that would mean. Everyone would be a prophet, would be able to prophesy, speak to one another, be filled with God's presence, God's word, God's encouragement, and God's knowledge of truth. And so this, this, uh, this Advent series, we are looking at the gift of the Holy Spirit. That God sent us the gift of Jesus. And He sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Acts 2 is all about. So we're just gonna be, we're gonna be sitting here in the book of Acts for the, for this Advent season. That Israel was waiting and yearning. And then He poured out on all flesh. And we are awaiting the advent of the second coming of Christ. That's our advent. Advent just simply means waiting, yearning, right? (coughs) And so we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. But God has sent us both Messiah and Holy Spirit that we enjoy today. And that's what Advent is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what the season is all about. It's remembering God became flesh and dwelt among us. And God still today dwells among us through his beautiful gift, through this. (coughs) Sunrise. Have you ever been out camping and got up before, you know, getting, getting up before the kids and the family. I get out, get out there and I get the fire going and get the coffee going. And it's, it's, you know, it's coming up. The sun's getting, getting up. And it's kind of chilly. I've got my, my sweater on. Got, I'm huddled behind, around the fire, you know, warming my hands while my coffee's, you know, while my, while my water's boiling to make my coffee. And then it happens. <coughs> the sun just like, boom. And it's like, as soon as it touches your body, you feel its warmth. Especially in Montana where it's so dry, right? <laughs> as soon as that sun hits you, it starts warming up quick. Especially in the summertime. And it starts to thaw you out. And you just, you just feel it just like permeate every cell of your body. Every, all your skin just starts to, to tingle and ah, oh, yeah. There's a movie called Tron. Have you ever seen anyone seen Tron? Who saw the original? 1982. Wow, really? <coughs> it's basically this movie about where this guy 
makes this this cannon to digitize a person and bring them suck basically suck them into into a computer and it's like you see the computer and it's it was way before its time and people were super confused watching this movie because they didn't know how to how a computer worked and so it was trying to it was basically a, 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 a movie trying to teach them how to how a computer works by using humans as programs <laughs> inside a computer and so the new one there's it's basically the same thing where this girl has was was a program that was made in in the computer in 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 you know Flynn's computer in essence she kind of appeared there in in the computer but she's never been in the real world she's read all these books and and studied all these things about real life and she asked him she's like what's the sunrise like he's like huh never had to describe a, the sunrise before Warm, bright, hope. And then she, at the end of the movie, she comes out with him. She's able to experience the real world and they're, they're riding on the back of a motorcycle and she looks back and she sees the sun rising and you just see her face go, oh, that's what it means. I get it. So, like, and just the look on her face, you know. Wow, this was so much more than he ever was able to describe. <clears throat> hope is like that. How do you describe hope to someone who feels hopeless? How do we describe hope to someone who's in the midst of despair, who can only see the negative and, and horrible circumstances in front of them. They're in the midst of it. You know that feeling. When you're in the midst of what's the next step? How can it ever get better again? After 2020, it's easy to, to go into despair. We almost, for, almost, I've almost forgotten what the world was like before 2020. How it felt. The hopefulness that we all had just simply because there was no reason not to hope, to, to lack hope. And it almost seems like nowadays it, it, the world is constantly giving us reasons why we shouldn't hope. Here's why we can't hope. Here's why you should give up hope. Here's another reason. Here's another reason. This is crashing. This is bankrupt. Here's the inflation. Yeah, here's your pill for that. <clears throat> here's another invasion. Here's another threat of nuclear war. Here's another this. Here's another that. Never before in my life have we ever been surrounded by so much doom and gloom and fear of worldwide destruction through plague, through war, through famine, through you, you name it. So how do you describe hope? Hope is an experience you can't describe. Hope must be experienced to be understood. I use the word this for this series. And here's why. This 
this, quote unquote, is the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit. And this was, is still today, and will always be the fulfillment of hope for the entire world. In our passage, in, in Acts chapter 2, you probably noticed several times the word this, specifically in, in verse 16. On the contrary, what? This is what was spoken through the prophet. They asked one another in verse 12, what does this mean? This. <coughs> this. How do you describe this? How, how could you try to even describe this? What does that even mean? What is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? This is one of those experiences that you can only be able to experience and not describe to understand. <coughs> and so this, so we're going to, we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. Um, and so let's look at kind of just the setting. Let's, let's kind of get an understanding, get a visual for where we're at. And so let's look at, so look, the location. The location is the upper room. As it says further on, it said, uh, filled the whole, what, house in where they were staying. And so the whole house where they were staying was the upper room where they part, where they shared the Passover supper, the Passover Seder. Passover meal, Last Supper with Jesus. And this was the author of the book of Mark. The, the guy, John Mark, that was, this was his, his, his house, his family's house. He was probably a younger guy in his teens or 20s <coughs> at the time. And so this is the place where they have been praying and fasting for the last 10 days. They've been praying together devoting themselves to being with one another in the upper room as we've been studying in the last part of chapter 1. They've been yearning for Jesus has now ascended in after 40 days, and we know that Pentecost is 50 days after the, after the, the, the Feast of Passover. It's called the Feast of Weeks. That's why it's called Penta, five, cost, Pentecost, five weeks, 50 days, rather. And so this... We know that it's t- these 10 days that have been praying and fasting. And what did Jesus said? He said, go and wait. Wait for the pouring out, pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He's coming. Just you wait. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Just you wait. He's coming. And so they're not just like chilling back. They're like, no, they're praying. They're waiting. They're anticipating. And now... They're together. And this violent rushing wind. The Bible calls this word a whirlwind. These are, these, this is an instance that would make the, like, make the six o'clock news. <clears throat> We're talking like, so I remember back in Waco, Texas, there was, you know, we had like, you know, the, the thunderstorms and the, and the tornadoes and stuff. But there's also this little thing called a microburst that's just as violent as a tornado. Do you know that? It's just as violent, but instead of it being a whirling wind, what it is is a wind that comes straight down at like 100 mile, 120 you know, miles an hour or something, like, something crazy. And it just like, and it hits the ground and it just goes out. It doesn't swirl necessarily like a tornado, but it just, and it sounds just like a tornado. This violent rushing wind. 
And it's interesting because it, it brings people running. It was so loud and so violent, but yet so like attracting that it just, it tr- attracted thousands of people to this upper room. And as you saw from your map uh, last time, last week, the upper room was kind of toward the southern area, southern little little strip down toward you know where the Pool of Siloam is, which we'll get to in, in a minute here. But this violent wind attracted this crowd of 3,000 people. 3,000 people. Probably even more. There were probably some that didn't believe, and but most of them did believe. <coughs> but... They came to what? To this. They were hearing and seeing and experiencing this. What is this? What is this? Verse 16. This is what was spoken. This is what he quotes. He quotes so Peter here quotes Joel chapter 2. This whole section here. And it all boils in, you know, he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit. And what does that mean? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. <clears throat> I will even pour out my servant, my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and men and women. And they, men and women, will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, fire and blood and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. There before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone, 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 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the pouring out of God's Spirit. This is that. This is that. Peter is trying to say, this is that. All these things that we've been reading about for thousands of years. This that you're experiencing. This is that. It's here. Don't miss it. It's here, and it's here to stay. It's here if you will partake. Because what, what does he say at the end there? Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. <coughs> will be saved. He's indicating that Jesus is God's Messiah. He came to save us from sin and to pour out His Holy Spirit. They're one and the same. You did it, and then He did it. You crucified Him, God raised Him, and then God came back through His Holy Spirit. So that all who put their faith in Him and publicly profess Him by baptism, will be saved. Jesus promised Himself. He was talking to His disciples in the upper room. He said, Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in Me will also do the works that I do. 
And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I almost envision this as like, you know, elf. Holy Spirit! I know him. I know him. He's here. If you know him, if you love Jesus, then you know him and you know his Holy Spirit. You know the Father because you know the Son through the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity is involved in salvation and in life. Every element of God is involved in your life and in His church. Every element, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is involved with saving you, sustaining you, and glorifying you. That's in Romans chapter 8. All who He called, He justified. All who He justified, He glorified. That means taking you from your to from dead in your trespasses and sins to alive together with Christ Jesus. It's a one, one done deal. Boom, you're, you were here, now you're here. <laughs> this was what Jesus was promising, that the Holy Spirit would come and be in you. And that, so the Holy Spirit is how we're able to what? Do even greater works than even Jesus. The same Holy Spirit that filled, empowered, and worked in and through Jesus is God's same Holy Spirit filling, empowering, and working in and through us today. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that healed the blind men. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, resides in you. If you love Him and keep His commands. And what what were His commands, remember? To believe in God and the Son, in the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. John chapter 1, verse 4. Sorry, 1 John 4. That is Jesus' commands. Jesus was setting it all up through his entire life and ministry. Setting it up. Hey, there's one coming. I'm going away from you, but it's all all good because I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. I'm going away, but it's better because if I don't go, then he won't come and he's better than just me being you walking around. He's better because he is me in you. The promised Holy Spirit was, is, and will always be God's hope for everyone. It was better for Jesus to go away and to send the Holy Spirit so that all people everywhere would have hope. 
So it wasn't just a group of people that were able to hang out in his presence like say like in Jerusalem. And everyone had to go to this one country, but no one had access. No one would have had full access to Jesus. You get full access to Jesus now because of the Holy Spirit. You can go and be in His presence. You can go and hang out with Jesus at lunch. You can go and go, go backpacking and hiking with Jesus. You can go hunting with Jesus. You can go to work with Jesus. You can go and watch Jesus do miracles every day simply by being in His presence. What does Jesus want to do in your life because He's there with you at every moment? He was the hope of Israel. They were looking forward to it for years. They were looking forward to this kind of relationship with God that they didn't have to go to a building. They could be with Him always. And He would be in them always. This is what the libation ceremony was all about during Sukkot. They would take the, the, you know, the, the, the vase thing and, and they would go all together from the temple and they'd all process down the streets to the Pool of Siloam. And they'd fill it up in the Pool of Siloam, the living water. They'd bring it back and pour it out on the altar as a symbol of the pouring out of Joel 2, pouring out of the Holy Spirit. This was what they were looking for. They were anticipating it through ceremonies and celebrations. And here it is. He was the hope of the church, the consolation of the presence of Christ in and with them after Jesus went away. Here's the craziest part. They recognized the Holy Spirit immediately. Why? Because they knew Him because they knew Jesus. They'd walked with Jesus so much and they were so intimate and knew who Jesus was that they recognized His presence off the bat. They're like, oh, Jesus is back. Jesus is here through His Holy Spirit. They knew the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit gives hope. Right? So they, were, they were waiting for, for 10 days. He was both the... Because remember, Jesus had breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit but not to his fullness yet. So they had the Holy Spirit and it was giving them, stirring within them hope for the full pouring out of his Holy Spirit. The explosion of the Holy Spirit. And in these moments, he is and always will be God's hope for everyone. For those in need, for those who are in Suffering for those whose lives are great, or I'm fine, for the poor and for the rich, for the powerless and the powerful. Everyone who, as it says in verse 38, who will repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is the hope of the world. Jesus and the forgiveness and the salvation on the cross that he, that he won and he, bought, and he bought with his blood is the hope for all mankind. And now the Holy Spirit is the hope for all mankind because through the Holy Spirit comes salvation, 
comes knowledge of sins, comes conviction, stirring to bring people to salvation, to bring people to faith. And and the Holy Spirit is who sustains our faith, keeps us going, gives us hope and peace. Remember, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And all of its many facets, pace, you know, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Goodness and faithful, faithfulness and self-control. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence. It brings us <clears throat> to faith. It sustains us in faith. It keeps us focused. It keeps us running the race. He, not it, He keeps us running the race. Because our faith is all about right identity and right allegiance. The Holy Spirit is always stirring in us to remind us of who we are, of who we belong to, where your allegiance lies. He gives us a revelation of of Jesus Christ. He gives us revelation of the Father. He gives us His presence, the presence of Yahweh. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there. They called Him the Angel of Yahweh or the Spirit of Yahweh. They already believed that that His presence was there in the Old Testament days. The Angel of Yahweh was walking. The Spirit of Yahweh spoke. This is who the Holy Spirit is reminding you to worship. Of where your allegiance truly lies. Of whose allegiance your, you know, whose allegiance your faith is in. This is what defines our faith. This is what defines us as saints. Who we are and where our allegiances. Because all who what? Call upon the name of the Lord, who cry out, who pledge their faith and allegiance to the Lord, who repent and are baptized. This was what we're talking about. This whole repent, the metanoia, changing your mind, aligning with what God says and being baptized and saying, I am now pledging my full allegiance to Yahweh. I'm pledging my full allegiance to Jesus then those who who do that will receive the Holy Spirit, will receive salvation. And so the question is, all that being said, this is what's going on in our passage today. This is what this is all about. This passage, this sermon, this expression, this pouring out, which results in verses 42 through 47 of the expression of the church after this, after this. So how does this give you hope? How is Holy Spirit your hope? Well, the Bible, Paul tells us in in 2 Corinthians, he said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed. The new has come. <coughs> you are a new creation. How? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the working of the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation. He brought you to faith. He keeps you in faith. He shows you Jesus. Because who is, who is the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Yahweh filling you. Check this out. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. You know, Jesus is saying, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John the Baptist has appeared. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. How? The Holy Spirit. John didn't have the Holy Spirit. John was a prophet and he would be spoken to by by Yahweh, but he did not have the Holy Spirit in him and on him and through him. He, even the least, you know, if we can say the least, you know, the redheaded stepchild of the church is greater than even John the Baptist, who was the who was the one who came in the spirit of Elijah. And Elijah is known as the, as the greatest prophet of all of Israel. And John came in that power, and yet the redhead stepchild of the church is greater than even John the Baptist. How? Because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The gift that we get to enjoy. Don't forget the goodies of our salvation. It's good. Because without the Holy Spirit, imagine this, without the Holy Spirit, without Christ, your hope is, is in what you can do. It's wrapped up in what you can, can accomplish in this life. How much success you can accomplish. How, much, how successful you can be or become. How much happiness you can fill your life with. And how much, you know, self-actualization. And self-motivating you can muster. If I can only motivate myself, believe in yourself. Gosh, I've heard that so many times by Instagram and, you know, influencers. You've got to believe in yourself. Follow your dreams. And when bad things happen, just try to make the best out of it. Oh, the fates are doing this. I'm going to use it and try to self-actualize more and self-help and use it. Use that to make myself better. But guess what? You still die. Without the Holy Spirit, without God's presence, as it says in Isaiah 22 and 1 Corinthians 15, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Basically, it's the same mentality as Ecclesiastes, as Solomon. If there's nothing else, just do whatever the heck you want and die as happy as you can. That's the state of the world all around us. Without Holy Spirit, we don't have Christ. And without Christ, there is no salvation, no forgiveness of sins. We are without hope, and our suffering in this life is in vain. Because without hope, there is no purpose to suffering. 
without Holy Spirit, where would we be? Think about that. Maybe write some thoughts down. Maybe this would be a, a, a question for us. Without Holy Spirit, without salvation, without Christ, without our faith, where would we be? I have a friend who would say that, you know, she'd be you know, driving by the church on a Sunday morning and be like, ha, ah, suckers, I'm going to the lake. Like driving, you know, pulling her boat. Sucks for you. You're sitting in a room singing songs and listening to some weird guy talk, you know, preach at you. I'm going to the lake. I'm going to have fun. Because that's, fill your life with, with fun things because in the end, you will perish. That's such a hopeless way to live. Suffering doesn't mean anything at that point. Why suffer in this life if there's no purpose? Why endure anything till the end if there's no reason, if there's no good that's able to be worked from it? Right? We try, they just try to, you know, the world just says, make the best of it. Use it to springboard you into a better this or a better that and self-help. Do you know the self-help is the largest section in the bookstore? Everyone is trying to better themselves into self-help. And that's great. People are using psychedelics to try to do self-help. But if they miss Jesus, they miss hope. People are doing all sorts of things to fight for and scratch for hope. But we have Mr. Hope himself through his word and through the empowering and indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Stirring within us hope. That's what the entire rest of the New Testament's all about. Is the love and the hope and the peace and the joy and the goodness that we have because of the Spirit of God living and active in us and through us. That His Word has been written on our hearts. And we can we don't have to mourn like the rest of the world. We have hope. And we can be the beacon of hope. Like our steeple. Like our light tower. Right? Our lighthouse in in the middle of Belgrade. I I, I tell you what, ever since I lit it up two years ago with those LEDs, or since you know, since Gary installed them, man, I oh you're the, the lit up steeple on Broadway. Yep, that's us. They know it. It's like a lighthouse. <clears throat> you're living walking, breathing, talking, loving lighthouses. So imagine yourself as that steeple, as that lighthouse walking around this world. You are a lighthouse of the Holy Spirit, showing and shining His goodness so that others, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And they'll see the goodness of the Lord through you, through your light that you shine this in this life. How you love. How you serve. How you give. How you speak. How is the Holy Spirit your hope? And how can the Holy how is Holy Spirit the hope of everyone you know? 
and everyone who the Lord will bring to you. Holy Spirit, we love you. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. We're worthy, Lord. We love you and we thank you and we praise you for being in our lives, for bringing us to be a part of your kingdom. God, we pray that you would move. We pray that you would stir in our midst. Lord, that you would show yourself through signs and wonders in your church. You would bend our hearts and open up our minds and Lord, just to stir in our spirits this desire to experience you in, in and around our lives, through our lives, that we would be your willing servants to do and to speak what you want us to do and to speak. You're so good. You give us hope in this life. You help us to endure all things. You work all things for the glory of God. So our suffering is not in vain. You want to produce endurance in our lives. Lord, be present. Help us to be little lighthouses in this community. Beacons filled with your Holy Spirit that filled the upper room. Lord, that they would, that this world would once again see the tongues of fire on your saints in a radical and spiritual way, Lord, that their lives would be transformed. They would ask, what is this all about? And we would be able to tell them the full goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you are living and active through us. Use us. Send us. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.